Howdy folks, Josh King here. Welcome to Podcast Talks, where we look to an old book to help us live as new men. Podcast Talks is a ministry both of and for Meridian Church, but if that ain't you, stick around. I'm glad you're here. Today we're going to look at a work from the pen of B.B. Warfield. B.B. Warfield was a professor at Princeton Theological Seminary. His chair was, uh, he, he was professor of polemical or polemic and didactic theology. What he taught was systematic theology. So that can give you some idea of the teaching, the didactic part of that title. But polemic? Well, see, Warfield didn't simply think, or, or the, the uh, Princeton divines, the Princeton uh, uh, professors, didn't think of the faith as simply something that you defend, but you contend for. Uh, it, it, the, the stance is not just defensive, but offensive. And so systematics, uh, as it was taught in Princeton, had that kind of flavor to it. I love reading Warfield. Let me just commend a few other works to you. If you've never read anything by him, um, I, I'd recommend this to anyone. Faith and Life, it's a collection of of sermons and essays that are, they're not only nourishing, they're rich and warm, like fresh bread with lots of butter and honey. It's it's healthy, it's wholesome, there's, uh, it's, it's dense bread, but it is good and uh, tasting and good for you. So I commend that to you, and pastors, if you can find them, I believe it's Baker who, who published the, uh, co- the collected works. Uh, yes, Baker used to publish these. Um, this is not everything that Warfield wrote, but this is uh, most of it. The works of Warfield, um, there are several volumes, I think 10 or 11 volumes, published by Baker. If you can find a used copy, get them. They are worth it. Um, the first one is Revelation and Inspiration, or as it's known by other publishers, PNR has a version of it, um, the Authority and Inspiration of, or the Inspiration and Authority of the Bible. Banner of Truth publishes th- that volume as well. Warfield is known as the theologian of inspiration. Anyone dealing with the inspiration and authority of the Bible, modern writers really have to deal with Warfield. Any liberal theologians that would even be writing today, their arguments, their contentions, what they what they would want to deny, they have to deal with Warfield. And so that's not a it's that's a it's a weighty read. But it is, it's worthwhile. It, it's a classic. Uh, also, in that set, and published individually, if, if you don't buy the whole works, the volume on uh, biblical doctrines is also published as an individual title by Banner of Truth. And uh, I highly recommend both of those to pastors. Today, though, our reading will come from 
the selected shorter writings of Benjamin B. Warfield. There are two volumes like this published by Puritan and Reformed, and I haven't read all of these. I've read a whole lot of the collected works and haven't come into anything uh, that hasn't been a blessing. And I've only read maybe two or three essays out of these two volumes, but every time it's been so, so good. And and it was no exception whenever I turned this week to a an essay he wrote, True Church Unity, what it, what it is. And I want to read two paragraphs from this volume, this work. But if we are to find the unity for which our Master prayed. We are to seek it in our common relation as Christians to our one head, our common Redeemer and King, as mediated by our common possession of the one Spirit. We are to remember that neither the center, basis, nor instrument of unity is earthly, or to be discovered in any human thought, order, or organization. But as Principal Gore admirably expresses it, the instrument of unity is the Spirit. The basis of unity is Christ, the mediator. The center of unity is the heavens, where the church's exalted head lives in eternal majesty, human yet glorified. Every Christian through whom flows the life of the Spirit imparted by the head, is of the body which is one. In a word, the church is one, not by virtue of any efforts of ours to make it one, but by virtue of the divine life that binds it, as his body, to the one head. The true figure of the church is the circle. Every particle of the circumference is held in its relation to all other particles by the common relation to each to the, of each to the center. And as we cannot create this unity, neither can we destroy it. Whoever is of God is of the church. Whoever is of Christ is of his body. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? To adopt, and we are sorry to be obliged to say also to adapt, the words of a typical high churchman of the last generation, the church is one not merely ought to be one, should strive to be one, but is one. The church is one not merely because it happens not to be more than one, but because it cannot be more than one. Ecclesia una est et dividi non potest, says St. Cyprian. The church is one and cannot be divided. It is one essentially, even as God is one. It is ours not to make this unity, but in heart and life to realize it. In all this, there is, of course, nothing inconsistent with the frank admission that the unity of the Spirit may be more or less clearly realized by Christians, and hence more or less fully manifested to the world. Christians may even bite and devour one another. Members of the same family may repudiate one another, though they remain nevertheless members of the same family. All that is essential to the foundation of unity must be found in the church of every age. The very existence of the church provides it. 
but its complete expression is dependent not on the existence of the church, but on its perfection. And it will, therefore, not be absolute until the church is presented to the bridegroom without spot or blemish or any such thing. Meanwhile, it is ours to advance toward this ideal, as it is God's delight to be daily smoothing the wrinkles and wiping the spots of his church away. In the importance of distinguishing between the foundation of unity and its expression lies just in this, that we may not advance along the wrong path. If the perfect expression of unity depends on the perfection of the church, the path toward it is not to be found in yielding our organized testimony to what is best in government or worship or what is true in faith, but in enthusiastically pressing this testimony on the attention and exception of all whom we ought not to be ashamed to call our brethren. The only organization which the whole church should adopt is the perfect one, the only worship which all should use is the perfect one, the only creed which is fitted to be the form of sound words in which all God's people express their faith is the perfect one, inclusive of all, exclusive, in, inclusive of all truth, exclusive of all error. Two striking things notice from this are that, one, the unity of the church simply is. As uh, I believe Richard Phillips put it something like this, the best way to deal with the proposed problem of church unity is to deny it exists. The church is one. In Ephesians 4, the command from Paul is to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Not to create, but to maintain it. It's also striking after all the kind of calls for unity that Paul puts forward from Philippians 1.27 into chapter 2. He comes to the point where he says, after all these calls for unity, strive side by side, have the same mind. After all these calls, he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Work out your own salvation. And that unity that's created by the Spirit is part of our salvation. We work it out. We don't work it up. We don't work towards it as far as accomplishing it. It's been done by Christ, by His redemption. And so we work it out. We don't work it up. Unity is. And the second thing that's striking about Warfield is he presents this essay on church unity, is that doctrine does not cause further division. It, it brings about the perfect unity that is to be realized ultimately in heaven. The way to advance unity is not by watering things down, not by less doctrine or the most common denominator in, in worship that would appeal to everyone's taste and style, but to be as faithful as we can to God's Word and God's truth. And in so doing, know that we're being more on earth as the church will be in heaven. And it will be in heaven where her unity is most perfectly manifest. 
And so strive, we will not realize this perfection in this life, but strive towards it. And as we strive towards it, it's then that we're striving towards church unity in its fullest, deepest, most beautiful, glorious, heavenly expression. It's been a pleasure. I pray it's been a blessing for you. Grace and peace.